Awesome. All right, as you guys, uh, I love a church family that likes to hang out with each other, so high five whoever you're talking to, give them the knuckle bump. We'll begin making our way. All right. Good times, good times. Check, check. Am I hot? I mean, am I coming through the microphone? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, good morning, church. It's so uh, good to be here with you. Keeps on falling. Cool. All right. I think my head's just bigger than Pastor Chris's. Getting to fit into these earpieces is uh, taking a little time. <laughs> well, good morning. Good morning. You know, speaking of uh, Pastor Chris and, and Lisa, I was thinking this week. And so before I get started, I just I have to say this thing that's been in my heart all week. And uh, we'll do a little family business and then we'll dive into the word of God and we'll go far. Hey, if you're a visitor with, with us today, I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to talk to you guys in a minute. But uh, for just a, a moment, I'd love to just talk to the family, those of you that call Celebration Center your home. And, and uh, so we'll do a little family stuff here, and then we'll dive into the uh, Word of God this morning. I really believe God has something for us. But uh, for, for the family, the co-workers, the co-laborers, those of us that are in the journey, I'm so glad that you're here also this morning. Um, I had this, uh, this stirring in my heart this week. This has been an interesting week for Pastor Mike. This is the, the first time I ever got to be at an elder meeting was this week, and so I got a chance to kind of to kind of get there, right? And uh, I got to be at a board of trustees meeting this week, uh, which was amazing. And uh, also, I uh, got a chance to meet with some of you, and many of you are getting on the schedule and would love to sit down and uh, get into your worlds, into your story, and into this journey with Jesus together. I'm really excited about that. But here's what I was struck by this week, time and time again, as I sat down with teams of people who have given from their heart and of their life to make Celebration Center a reality. And I, I don't say this just to float boats. I say this in genuine authenticity. We have a tremendous group of servants who are doing their best to live like Jesus, who serve you well, who give their weeknights, their early mornings on Saturdays, and, uh, and give their time and energy to plan, to prepare, to help shepherd this thing. We are blessed by a tremendous leadership team. That is a testimony to Chris and Lisa's leadership for all these years um, and the investment that they made. And ultimately, I'm going to go one step further because this is what I was really, really just hit right in the heart with this morning as I was praying and thinking about this. We serve an incredible God who set an incredible standard for us. And the more that we live out our mission to become disciples who passionately represent Jesus in our community, the, the, the further that goes to reach people with that incredible message. And I was thinking this morning, I, I was wrecked this morning just thinking about uh, John uh, and John 3 when, when he uh, is baptizing people and he's just doing the work that he's been appointed by God to do. I'm just doing the work, doing the work. And Jesus is on the scene. And, and people are starting to say, hey, that Jesus thing is getting bigger 
believes in the John thing. And John's like, I'm just here to do the thing that I'm called to do. He's got to increase. I don't have to increase. I don't need the glory. I don't need the attention. This isn't about me. This is about me doing what I've been called to do and serving the way I've been called to serve. And whatever Jesus wants to do with what I'm doing, with whatever else is going on, is okay by me because he's got to increase I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, even if that means I decrease. And I, I, I was just wrecked thinking about that, even from my role this morning, right? Even from this position where someone hands me a microphone and then fixes it because I'm not competent to put it on my head by myself. And, and, I, and in all humility, I realized I have a very small role in this, except that he might increase. God, I just pray that I would decrease. Would it be you, Father? Would you do what you want to do? And so, so from a housekeeping perspective, I just wanted to say, first off, I am so incredibly blessed by so many of you that have had that heart and have that heart to serve in those ways. It just rocks me. Um, another housekeeping thing uh, for us, and this is incredible. You may not realize this, but we officially have a parking issue in the summer. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a Holy Spirit. That's a Jesus thing. That's not a us thing. That's just God uh, 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 doing what he needs to do. And then us being ambassadors in the community and people wanting to come and, and hear the word of God. That's incredible. So you may have noticed this week there's a couple guys out there just helping you uh, find parking spots. And so I just wanted you to know that we're aware of that, that we're working to build teams to make sure that, uh, that you have a great experience getting into the uh, parking lot. Um, I told you visitors that I wasn't going to talk to you for a second. So just family for just a moment. Can we be considerate? especially those of us that come all the time that legs aren't broken and we'll park a little further away and we'll leave a little bit of space up front now let me tell you most of them are probably back in the room i was going to try and say this before the moms all got back but let me tell you my uh my my personal stance when it comes to this front experience you're going to hear me say this in all kinds of meetings all kinds of times okay and i'll just i'll just lay it out there for you probably yeah most definitely i filter every experience we do through the lens of a mom with three kids because i got one in my family, right? And I know that for you moms, especially with the, with the younger ones, and we got a lot of them, there were 82 upstairs last week, I think. And so that's crazy, okay? That's amazing. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand for that. But, but, but here's the thing. If, if my wife comes into the parking lot with our three kids, I know she's probably on at least the second outfit or third outfit on most of those kids to get them here on a Sunday morning, right? And the fact that she made it, got here, it, it's like 10.02 and she's driving, she's, you know, everything's coming together. If, if she can't park and get out of her car and get a cup of coffee or get welcome to get into the room and, and just get into this environment so we can do this, then we missed it. And so, so I'm going to always filter things through that kind of perspective. So from a housekeeping business, uh, I just want to let you know I, I love what God is doing here. And let's be, let's be considerate of people trying to get in. And uh, when we sit, and you know, the kids are out of the room now, so we're spread out, which is cool. Uh, when we come in, let's sit close together. Let's make friends and make space. And let's make sure that people can come. I know, and I'll, I'll say this in the middle east, uh, that... Two weeks ago, we actually had a family come, do a lap, couldn't park, and left. And, uh, and it's okay, and, you know, have dialogue with them, so we're okay. But, but we should care about that. And so, so I'm giving you all that information because that's amazing stuff, but I want you to hear it from me. So if someone uh, who I've talked to says, hey, you know, let's make sure that we please face, you're not like, oh, this guy's picking on me. It's me. I'm doing the same thing. We can do that. Housekeeping business over. Cool? Awesome. Hey, can we give the Lord a hand? He's been so faithful. Along those lines, I will tell you this, um, 
Every team I've met with so far has talked about uh, our tremendous opportunity for people to get involved. And in the last couple of weeks, um, we've been talking about having steps of courage, getting out of the boat. Uh, we've been talking about just doing it and stepping out. And, uh, and so we're going to create avenues for many of you who have been looking for a chance to get involved. Here's what I know. If we ask someone to do something all the time, it will burn them out. We'll get frustrated. We'll get tired. Anyone gets tired. And, and fr- so we're going to ask people to be parts of teams, to help serve, to help make things happen. Because many of you uh, are probably afraid that I'll say, hey, can you help out in this area? And you'll be like, oh, that means every week that's the thing that I do now. I don't take that way. Uh, and so we, that won't be the case. But, but uh, you're going to hear more and more opportunities as the weeks unveil for you to get involved and for you to be a part. Uh, because I want you to be able to use the gift that God put in you to serve in the way God's put it in you to use. So that's the end of my housekeeping. Okay, so we'll get into the word here, and I'm really, really, really excited about what we're talking about today. Um, I was thinking about the summer, and what a crazy summer it's been for my family. I don't know how your summer's been, but I was thinking that the summer is supposed to be relaxing. I remember that the summer somewhere, someone sold me, you know, on this idea that the summer was supposed to be a time when you relaxed. You know, we were supposed to have more time and we were supposed to do vacations and there's supposed to be family pictures of just my feet at the beach, right? Like, like, where is that moment in this summer? I haven't experienced it. And I've been thinking about how I just the summer should be this time of relaxing. And then I was thinking how every season we kind of have an expectation in that season. And when that expectation doesn't meet our reality, it's easy to get a little tension and you get a little chippy and you're starting to think, mm, you know, I need, I haven't had a chance to rest yet. It's summer and I haven't felt like I've been on vacation and you start getting a little angsty. Sometimes we get to the holidays and we think about, you know, the holidays are supposed to be a time when the family's all together. And if the family's not all together, then we're grumpy or whatever your expectation is for that season. When it doesn't get met, it creates sometimes some tension in us. And so I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the summer just in my life. And I, you know, I had a run and as we're getting to know each other, we're just sharing stories. I had a run of five summers in a row where I buried a family member and, uh, and it was heavy. I remember it started in 2008, right? As the Lord kind of spoke, uh, uh, to, to, to our hearts about getting, stepping out of the boat and courage and getting involved in church planting and taking a step up in leadership and, and moving pastorally into different roles. And uh, that first summer, uh, I buried a family member, but on top of that, uh, my father, my stepfather, but my father was actually shot in a shootout with the police. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it gets exciting. You're like, whoa, you get some story here, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, essentially, um, you know, the short version of a very long story is he was just in a very dark place and he was looking for a way out and, and initiated that in order to do that. Um, he, he lived through that and then he lived two more years and he actually passed away in rehab two summers later, um, trying to recover from some of those things, but his physical stuff just wasn't the same. And I say all that to say, you know, I had a, I had a, that summer I also married, uh, married buried a cousin that uh, that had been murdered in his home and, and we just had we just had some really so i hit the summer now and i brace for impact i brace for impact i don't know about you but but sometimes we, we get a little shell shocked and we just start mm. and certain seasons can sometimes trigger certain emotions and we start having certain feelings and so in this summer as we moved and we began to say okay god there's something bigger on the horizon and you're doing something in our hearts and you're stirring us to move and this family of celebration center is becoming i feel like i continually embracing for impact and and why because it's the summer and in the summer i've had some experiences where things have happened isn't it weird that a good crisis will sometimes push us to a different place in our faith? 
sometimes when we experience a, uh, uh, something tough, something difficult, something hard, something, and, and, and I don't have a lot of shared experience with all of you guys, and so I'm sharing from mine, but I'm sure you can share stories too of things that you went through uh, and, and things that hit you and things that, that just began to create this tension in you. And in those moments, it creates one of two responses usually in us. Usually it's that fight or flight, right? And I'm either ready to fight and deal with this or I'm done. And so I wonder about that when it comes to these times of crisis and when it comes to these different seasons of our lives that we connect with on how, just how does all of that work when terms of someone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus? How does all of that work when someone who says, you know, I've been checking out this thing, Lord, and I feel like things aren't working out in a way that's fair to me. And I feel like I, you, maybe you let me down or this situation was not what I expected and I'm not thrilled with it. And I, and, and I think I deserve or I'm entitled to some kind of different experience. It's the summer. I should be relaxing. I should be making memories. We should be, you know, embarrassing my kids on Facebook by taking pictures of them doing silly stuff, right? In wheelbarrows, half naked, running around the neighborhood. <laughs> Whatever it is. That's what we're supposed to do in the summer. So how do we wrestle with those, with that kind of conflict? I was thinking about in John, John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And I was thinking about when we feel like we're not experiencing abundant life and the tension that just begins to get into our hearts and into our lives in that wrestling match. So today I want to, I want to just take us into a story of crisis and I want to talk just a little bit about a key, not the only key, but a key that, that the word kind of extrapolates for us in a time of a season of crisis or a season of pain or a season of unmet expectations. And then somehow in the midst of that, God shows up and our faith engages. And somewhere in that, the power of God gets on display and we get changed. So I'm going to take you, if you're a Bible person, you can just open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to get into this, this tricky story here in just a moment. But before I do that, can I just pray? And we're just going to let the Word of God change us a little bit today and percolate. God, I'm just so aware of my incredible need for you this morning. I pray that your Word would get in us, would challenge us, would change us, would make us new, would transform us. Lord, your word in, in Romans says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Would your word renew our minds this morning? We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to read the story for you. It's seven verses. It's amazing. And then I'll uh, take us back. We'll walk through it. And then it is Communion Sunday, and eventually we will end this morning with uh, sharing communion together so you know where we're going, so you're not um, freaked out about that. Uh, but... We're going to read the story and we're going to kind of move through here. Second Kings chapter four, beginning in verse one. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him, and afterwards she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, 
bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell that oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, this is an incredible story. I'm not sure if this is a snapshot that you visited in your time in the Word or not. I got to tell you, if you don't get into the Word of God and get to, into some of these stories, you are just missing. I'm a stories guy. I'm a Word guy. I love the power of a great story. And this is an incredible story. I think about this woman. What a difficult predicament to find yourself in. Her husband has passed away. He was a church guy. He worked in the company of the prophets. He was faithful. He was doing what he was supposed to do. But in that, how many know sometimes we can put in a little debt if we're not being too wise? And we're sometimes He was in debt, okay? I'm just going to lay that out there. And I know some of us can relate to that, okay? And he was in debt. And when he passed away, he left her with two sons and some debt. Now, that is a very dangerous position for her to be in this culture because essentially in order to meet her obligations, it was acceptable for her creditors to contact like the local sheriff. That sheriff would come and take her family from her and utilize them as slaves to pay off her debt. Can you imagine that kind of situation? Your husband's gone. He has spent his life serving God. And after that experience, after that trauma, the only thing you have to look forward to to pay off your debts is someone coming and taking your kids from you. I don't know about you, but I can, I, I, I get into that and I start thinking, man, this is criminally unfair. No wonder she is crying out to the prophet like, hey, my guy, my husband, he was on your team. He was working with you. How could you let this happen to me. So she does what I think is pretty reasonable what we all would do. When we're in crisis, when things don't seem fair, isn't our natural instinct to go, um, uh, excuse me, I don't deserve this. What could I have done to deserve this? She goes to credentials. She goes to credentials first, right? Hey, I just want to make sure that you know, Mr. Prophet, that he was in the company of the prophets. He was serving God. He died doing the right things, and now my world has collapsed. I was thinking about going through some of the most just feeling like unfair moments, burying people that I love, doing funerals, telling stories about loved ones, thinking, God, this is just unfair. Why? How could this happen? How could you allow this? And just thinking, you know what? I'm entitled to better than this. I need better than this. If I'm going to keep on keeping on God, something needs to engage better than this. Isn't that true that that's our instinctive response? That's fair. Am I the only one that thinks that one? You guys are quiet, so I'm thinking maybe you're in the same, in the same boat with me. She's in a place of desperation. She's in a crisis. She does what any of us would do. She goes, here's my credentials. How can I possibly deserve this? I was thinking about when I get into the word and I start reading 
stories of people who laid it all on the line, who experienced loss, who never experienced in the living time the benefit of their service, yet the legacy of what they did transformed culture and time and transformed our hearts and lives today. I was thinking about this greater picture, and I was thinking, I, I get all of that, but today I'm in crisis. I get it. I can get it in my head, but how do I get it in my heart? I can get it. I can do the math. I can say, you know what? The, 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 the time that they, that person's spending in eternity is so much greater. They're not sad. I'm sad. I get that. I get that I'm making it about me. But you know what? I'm still here. So I'm going to make it about me just a little bit. Right? Am I the only one that's here? Maybe I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> and here she is in need. Not only is she in need, she's got a very tangible need. She needs some cash money, right? She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in debt. I need, I need to get out of this. Not only am I in crisis because I have experienced loss, but I have a very physical need in this moment. She does what any of us would do. She looks for help. She looks for help. And I love that she lays out a track record. It's your servant, my husband. That's his track record. He's supported this is what I'm entitled. I was thinking about how many people I know on their journey with Jesus when kind of met with crisis have said, you know what, I'm cashing out. This isn't worth it. I'm going to try another way. My, the, <laughs> the, the best man in my wedding, right? When I'm, usually that's someone you're pretty close with. Best man in my wedding. We went to high school together. We were best friends. He was in my wedding. We were all set to go off to uh, Bible college together, take the world kind of by storm. We kind of got saved about the same time, and there was just like an iron sharpening iron thing. And, you know, it was competitive, but it was healthy. It was like, we're going to do something for the kingdom that matters. And I can remember when some of the wheels kind of came off in his life, this frustration and poison that spewed out of him. I was doing all of this for God, and then this. I remember not having an answer for him in that moment, just like, well, you know, you got to kind of keep chugging along. And I'm not sure, you know, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to respond to him in that. But there was so much like vitriol, just anger that came out of him and it was physical. And what happened oh, in the midst of all that, he just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to take my life in a whole other direction. Began to succumb to some other things in his life, which led to a series of addictions, which led to losing his job, which led to losing his wife, which eventually led to losing his freedom as he was incarcerated, which led to just a snowballing effect of saying, you know what, because this thing's not fair, I'm just going to blow up everything else. But we do that in some way, regards, right? When, when we get frustrated, we say, well, I'm just, because it's, oh. and here's this woman saying, I need help. And her heart is, I don't have what I need to get out of it. And I love this. I love how, I love how Elisha responds to her. In the midst of all that, I was thinking about Romans and, and Paul just saying, hey, you know what? God, God told Moses, I'll have mercy on who I have mercy. I'll have compassion on who I have compassion. It doesn't, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort. But we're all just kind of dependent on the mercy of God. In the midst of our pain, I was thinking about that. He's merciful. Sometimes I think we come looking to God like we somehow are entitled to something and we forget that God's just merciful and we need to come just asking for favor. So God, I, don't, I can't earn this out of you. I know I don't deserve anything, but God, I just, would you let your mercy just demonstrate itself in this situation? Isn't that the right attitude? Maybe? I don't know. And it got heavy in here. I'll tell you. So let's get into the story. So <laughs> Elijah replies to her, hey, how can I help you? 
Verse 2. Let's throw verse 2 up there. I love this. So she came. She brought the credentials. And Elijah replies to her, hey, how can I help you? Can we just pause for just a moment right there? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just rip this off and we'll just go with it. How often do we experience somebody who's in a crisis and we just like, man, that's heavy. I'm really sorry, but I got nothing. <laughs> I can't get into this. I got my own stuff. I don't have any more margin. Like I got nothing, right? And here's Elijah, the man of God. And you know what his response is? Hey, what can I do to help? He may not have all the answers, but at least his heart is, hey, I am a, a follower of God. I'm a servant of God, and you're in a place of, of need. I may not be able to do all those things, but you're the person. Come on, love the one you're with. You're the person who's in front of me in this moment who's in need. And what an incredible answer. How can I help you? What can I do? What? What? Mm. All right, maybe I'm going to get stuck there. Let's not get stuck there. But he has a heart that just says, hey, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? You know how many crises, you know how many times in our pain and our moment, I don't really need you to help, but I know if your heart is what can I do to help, it can change everything. Just, it brings a brother into the picture, it brings a family member, we come into a place where we can connect. Do you know how many times my wife is explaining a crisis to me that she doesn't need me to fix, she just needs me to care, come on now, that I can, that I can say, hey, you know what, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? So in my, in my ministry life, I did tons and tons of youth ministry, and those kids would grow up, and they'd get married for some reason, and they'd want to talk to me about that, and it's exciting. And, I, and they would ask me for advice. What is, you know, just some advice to, to make this thing that's marriage, to make it work. And I tell them without a doubt, every time, in that tense moment, when it's hitting the fan, and we're fighting the tensions and things are going, take a step back and just ask this question. What can I do to help? You know how hard it is to be mad at someone who walks up to you in the middle of an argument and just says, you know what? What can I do to help? Ah, you can... Get it out, you know. We use the poison out and then stop. What can I do to help? What an empowering, what a powerful statement. What a way to represent Jesus to somebody. What a way to just say, you know what? I may not be able to solve this crisis that you're in right now. I may not have all of the answers, but here's what I can do. What can, what, what can I do to help? What can I? You know what you can do to help? You can just listen. Let me, okay, great. You know what you can do to help? I just need a ride to this place so I can solve. Hey, you know what? I can do that. You know what? I, you see what I'm saying? What a representation of God's love. How can I help you? And then he turns it on her a little bit. And I love this. He says, hey, tell me what you got in your house. Tell me what you got in your house. What do you have? Are you serious? I have nothing in my house. If I had something in my house, I would have sold it to protect my kids. I'm desperate. My husband's gone. The creditors have taken everything. I got nothing. I'm empty. I'm in crisis. I got anger in my house. That's what I got in my house. Right? What do you got in your house? He asked such a powerful question. Hey, what's in your house right now? What are you working with? Now, here's what I love. In just a moment, we read the story. We unpacked. She had everything in her house that she needed for God to do a miracle. It was already there. But she couldn't see it in her crisis. She couldn't see that God had already provided everything she needed for a miracle to, to experience that. But she couldn't see it. Someone had to recalibrate her and say, hey, you know what? what? What's going on in your house? 
You know, I read this really uh, powerful story a long time ago. I think I had to read it for Bible college, but uh, it's a great little anecdote. It's short. It's called My Heart's Christ's Home by uh, Robert Unger, I believe it's na- is his name. And essentially, it's just a, a, a real pretty uh, picture, pretty uh, nice picture, um, manlier word. It's a very handsome picture of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of what happens when, when we physically say, hey, Christ, I want to invite you to live in my heart. And, and it's just a picture of a, of a man saying, I, I made a decision to invite Christ into my heart. And my heart, it, it's, it, it's a metaphor, like his house, uh, his heart is a house. So there's a bedroom, a closet that kind of stinks, a, uh, you know, an entertaining room, all those places. And he walks Jesus around his heart in this story. And it's really powerful. It's a great picture. But essentially, Jesus walks into this picture of our heart. And we say, Jesus, I want to I take a step of faith. And I'd like to invite you into my heart. And then Jesus says, well, what do you got in your house? What's in there? What can I use? What can, I, what can be the initiating point of this next miracle that I'm going to do? What's in your house? You know, I was thinking about my friend, and when he was in crisis, what came out that was in his house was real bitter and self-entitled. And, and that because of that, it just changed everything. You know, when Christ takes a look at our hearts, he, he's looking for two things, right? He's looking for what, what, what can he clean out? Where are the closets? of things that we know we've held on to, that we shouldn't be holding on to? And will we let that go? And he's looking for what can we use? How are you, how are you specifically designed to impact the kingdom of God for something good? That's what he's looking for. And here's the prophet, and he's like, hey, what is in your house? What is there? Maybe if we don't get anywhere else, we could just ask that question today. What's in your house? As we walk through this next season... And we say, Jesus, you can do anything. And he's like, hey, what's in your house? What's there? Is there stuff that needs to go? Is there stuff that needs to get cleaned out? Is there stuff? Because he can do it. And he's willing to do it and he'll take it. Is there something he can use for your marriage? She had just a little bit of oil. I imagine that that oil was precious to her because she hadn't gotten rid of it yet. It might, be, it might represent just the last little bit of whatever it is that she had before she had nothing. But she had a little bit of oil. Verse 2, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. And Elisha says, we can work with that. We can work with that. You might think you're at a place where you got nothing left. Like, I got nothing left. I got maybe just a little bit that sometimes I can be nice to people. Like, I got, I got that much. That's all I got, right? Sometimes I can smile or whatever, right? I got, I got just like a little bit left that, you know, I can journal, I can write, I can, you know, whatever. I got just a little bit left, like I can make it to work. I can, I can do that. I got, I got almost nothing left. I just got like this much left. I can make it about three hours in a row without crying. I mean, whatever it is, right? Where, where are you right now? And, and Elijah says, hey, you know what? That's the place we'll start. What's left? We'll take what's left. And watch God use in his mercy whatever it is you got left on the other side of that crisis. Mm, did you hear that? Watch God use what you got left, whatever it is on the other side of that crisis to do your miracle. Elijah said, verse 3, she says, verse 3, he says, Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. And I want you to hear this. Don't ask for just a few. You know, I was reading this story. I was struck by something, and it just blew me away. But Elijah gave her a fair warning. He's like, listen, go out and ask for some jars, and don't ask for just a few. Now, I don't know about you, 
But it's a weird thing, even in today, to just go next door and be like, do you have any bowls or cups or vessels or like things that hold things? Like, do you have, I mean, that's an awkward, I can get that that's awkward, right? Especially because it's probably becoming well known that she's in a desperate situation and she probably doesn't have a lot of jars in her house. She's probably had to sell those jars. Anything that she had of value has been taken by creditors. And so she's in a pretty desperate situation. But I can imagine someone coming to the door and I'm like, oh, man, if I give you, you know, my Pyrex, it's probably going to go on eBay or, you know what I mean? It's probably gone. And I got to make a decision, right? But, but here she is. And the, and the prophet said, we're going to do something amazing here. Go get as much. And I can imagine the level of desperation that must have kicked in. Can I, can I get a jar? Do you have a thing that something can hold something? I, I just need something that can hold something. She sends her boys out and they're out there. They're engaged. Can you get something? Can I get something? Can I? I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I will admit this. I would probably consider stealing a jar if I knew that the blessing was coming and apologizing later, right? Bringing it back, maybe fool. I don't know. I might be like looking in the backyard. Your garbage can's back. I'm just going to take your garbage can. You know, you know, I'll bring it back later. I'll bring it back later. I need another jar. The blessing's coming. I need to prepare myself for what God's going to pour out. He says, don't get just a few. That's fair warning. You see, when the blessing was getting ready to pour out, when the mercy of God was getting ready to pour out, there was some preparation that had to happen in their lives to receive the blessing that God wanted to pour into them. And it was conditional, not the blessing, how big of a receptacle they had to receive the blessing was conditional on the work they were willing to put in to get prepared to hold that blessing. What does that mean for you and me? Hmm. Yeah, that hurts, huh? Because you already know where I'm going. You're way ahead of me. You guys are smart. There is some blessing of untapped potential that God could be releasing in our lives. But the question is, have we positioned ourselves in such a way that we are a vessel that can receive it? Are we missing the opportunities to receive that blessing? It hurts. Is your jar already full? All I got left is anger. Pour that out. You need some room. I'm too busy. I got this, 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 and this. Pour that stuff out. Where's your room? What are those places where the blessing of God wants to flow in your life? But capacity is directly connected to your preparation, to your willingness to get in position, to let God do something. Man, see, The blessing and the miracle wasn't any bigger than her faith to perceive that was. All right, we'll just keep going. Some of you are like, I'm already with you, and don't make eye contact with me, so I'm there. All right. (laughs) Uh, Where'd we go? Let's go uh, uh, verse 4. Let's keep on on cranking here. Um, It says, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. It says, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and each is full pulled aside. Now, there's got to be something there about shut the door. You know, it's connected. I think it's Matthew 10, and, and Jesus says when you pray, you know, go inside. Don't make a spectacle of it. You know, this is a private thing. Somehow it's connected to this idea that, hey, this isn't about, woohoo, check it out, my blessing. Right? Look at what God's doing in my life. That's not what this is. Right? This is in an intimate moment with God, personally saying, I am available for whatever you want to do. This isn't, you know, 
selfie with me in my jar just pouring out. <laughs> right? That's not, that's not what he's saying to do. He's saying, go in the house, shut the door, have an honest moment with God about your need, and watch the mercy of God bring provision to your pain. That's what he's saying. All right, I keep moving. You got years away. So goes inside, shut the door behind you. Says she left him. Afterwards, she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought her the jar. Oh, there's something there about she sent the boys to go get the jar, but she didn't. She didn't go out and get the jars. And sometimes we just were like, oh, you go get the blessing ready for me, and I'll stay here. And then we miss it. it. Says when all the jars were full, verse six, she said to her sons, "Bring me another one." But he replied, "There's not one jar left." And then the oil stopped flowing. And then it stopped flowing. Man. Let me ask you this. You think if she had one more jar, she'd have got one more jar of oil? I think so. I think this story wrecked me when I just began to put together one more jar. One more jar, just one more jar, God. I don't want to be the reason the blessing shuts off. I don't want to be the reason the mercy shuts off. I don't want to be the reason. I don't want the thing that I control, that I'm a steward of, that I'm responsible for, to be the reason that the blessing of God and the provision of God and the the power of God isn't on display in my life. I want every single thing you have. And so, yes, there's pain. Yes, there's frustration. Yes, there's hurt. But I'm going to empty all of those things out before you and say, God, here's what I do have. I got a little bit of faith. I got this much left. Can you use it? I got a little bit of willingness to serve. I got this much. Will you do? it i can drag myself out of bed on a sunday morning 10 o'clock come on that's pretty easy to get there right i can i can manage to get to church on a sunday morning that might be all i can do and if there's not a parking spot i'm going to breakfast but 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 (laughs) right come on (laughs) but i might just be able to do it one more time i can wipe a snotty nose and i can pretend you know i I don't feel it right now but i can pretend like i'm doing the role that i'm supposed to be doing i I got just that much more and just mm, Prepare myself, get myself positioned so that God, whatever that blessing is you want to pour out, it doesn't stop flowing because I wasn't willing to do the work. She could have had one more jar. One more jar. One more jar. Man. I know we're getting heavy, so you guys are staying with me. It's okay. You're doing good. I remember one time uh, I was having a conversation on a Sunday morning uh, and I, I was talking to a, an adult of a successful business person, and they were saying to me that they were surprised by how many students I had sent off to Bible college. And uh, I think we had, you know, we'd done something in the service to kind of celebrate these kids that had gone on this journey. And he's like, I can't believe all of these young people that, you know, are going to go do ministry stuff and not go into the real workforce and make some money. That was his comment. And he wasn't meaning to be cruel, but he, you know, I was like, ooh, dagger, right? <laughs> but I remember just thinking in that conversation with him, you know what? One more jar. They, they, they are just doing everything they can to position themselves. I mean, I'll go into the ministry, but they were willing to give a year and go and study, whether it's an in-state class, whether it's a, a, a life group that you get into. Well, I don't know what it is, but they were just willing to make a sacrifice of their time to position themselves in a place where the blessing of God could continue to flow in their lives. That was bigger than the status of their bank account. That was bigger than the positional authority of some other career. That's what was in their heart to do. And I was like, oh, don't ever, don't ever try to take that jar away from them. <laughs> there was a story about a martial arts student, and he was meeting with his master and teacher at a table, and they were having tea. And the student said to his master, I've learned all you have to teach me about defending myself. I want to learn 
one more thing. Please teach me about the ways of God. And the master took the tea kettle and he started pouring the student's cup full of tea. And so soon the cup was full and began to spill over into the saucer. But the master continued to pour and the tea spilled over the saucer and onto the floor. And the student finally said, stop, stop, stop. The tea is spilling over. The cup can't take anymore. The master then looked at his student and said, you're so full of yourself. There's no room in your life for God. It's not possible for you to learn the ways of God until you learn to empty yourself. I thought, oh, what an incredible parable of You know, I don't have much, but what I do have, I want to give it to the Lord. It's pretty heavy on me that somehow the provision of God's mercy and blessing is dependent on some some connectedness to my preparation to receive that. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, that theme kind of walk through the entire scriptures. And I was remembering in 2 Corinthians when Paul talks about his life, and he says that we have in verse four, chapter 4, verse 7, he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay that show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That if we just empty ourselves out, that comes from God. Now, some of you are wondering what I, I did here. I, I just, I'm a visual guy, so I had to think about it, you know. I had to think about it visually, and so I don't know if you can all see this. This is just a, a jug of, of Gatorade, but uh, it's not Gatorade in there. That would be really messy. But uh, I was just thinking about how important it is to just provide opportunities, and I wanted to, some of you that are visual letters to think about that. So I got here just a bunch of, a bunch of jars. Um, that one already had water in it. Um, <laughs> vessels. Um, this one has milk in it, I think, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and just different shapes and sizes of vessels. And, and I was just thinking about this idea that, that some of our vessels, they look different than everybody else maybe thinks that they should look. And I, I was thinking about how the blessing of God, it, how much we can receive is proportionate to how many jars we're willing to get. And so and, and for some of us, that first jar might just be, you know what? My, my prayer jar has been empty. It's been empty. I've been angry at God for a long time. The last thing I want to do is talk to him about it. So I'm, uh, you can show up, but I'm not doing it. Or you know what? I think it's important, but I haven't made any time. And here's the, here's the blessing, the mercy, the provision of God. It hasn't shut off. We just haven't provided a vessel for him to pour into. I don't know about you, but I want my jars to be full. I was thinking about, you know, my, my serving jar. Now, for some of us, I'm starting to sound like a broken record, and that's awesome because that means it's getting in you. For some of us, it has just been, I know I'm designed to do something and whatever it is, but I haven't done it. I haven't got out of the boat. I haven't stepped up. I haven't done the courage thing yet. I maybe don't even know the opportunity. I got to be honest with you. I heard probably four, five, six different opportunities where we need people who are willing to step up and those things are going to begin to come unpacked. And some of you just need to kind of have your seatbelt off, be ready to jump in because the Lord's moving on your heart that it's time for you to go from a customer to a coworker with us and beginning to engage. And you're like, I just need to serve, whatever that is. You know, some of you are just like, oh, I can't, I can't do that much. You know what? Could, could you do one hour a month? Could you like carve that out and serve? Probably. I had just a conversation with a, a couple of guys this week that, that said our biggest problem is we can't get a, anyone to just give us one hour a month and help and serve. Are you kidding me? I'm missing the blessing of God. Cause I, in my own stuff, don't have an hour that I can pour out? Are you kidding me? You know, we were talking with a group of guys. I had guys in the parking lot this week. I got some vests ordered, and we're going to just care about that front door experience for those moms that are trying to get here and, and get in the door. And, and I was just thinking, you know how easy that, that takes nothing from me. 
takes nothing from me, but it's a chance for me to be a part of just the, the, the blessing of what God can and will do. And I don't want to miss my opportunity to receive the blessing of God because I can't put into my life room for just, just a place to serve. For some of you, as I talk about the mission of our church in the, in the, in the coming weeks, we're going to start unpacking this idea that we are going to become disciples who passionately represent. I love that our mission of our church has the word passionately in there. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to get passionate about doing something in our community that makes a difference about representing Christ. It's e it's safe. I won't say easy. It's safer to follow Jesus without being passionate. But if we're really going to get passionate about doing this thing, it's going to move us out of our comfort zone. It's going to put us in positions where we're interacting uh, with, with people. It might not even be all the way safe. But I'm so passionate about living like Jesus that my faith has to engage in my journey with Jesus. It can't just be safe. So I need some faith, God. God, give me some faith so I can be passionate about this thing. Another place for your blessing and provision to pour into my life. God, I don't ever want to be the reason that this thing stops, that your mercy shuts down. God, maybe I've been in crisis. I've been holding you at bay. I've been withholding my, I got some jars. But I'm, mm-mm. You're going to break my jars. <laughs> Come on, we've been there. I've been there. I think God, I just need your provision. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to set communion up here. And I told you it's a communion week. And uh, I just want to be real. You guys that are doing that, you guys can just start doing that. I'm, I'm ready for that. But I just want to be real with you for a moment. We can do communion for a lot of reasons, right? We can do it as a routine. Um, we can do it simply just because the scripture says do it. And so we're being just purely out of obedience. I think today, what I would like to challenge you to do, I thought about should we pass it around, but I think there's, a, there's something powerful about taking a step forward. Paul says we should examine our hearts when we come to this place of communion. We should examine our hearts. And so here's what I would like to do for, for all of you today. I'm going to give you permission to do what the scripture says that we should do. And then we're all going to do it together so no one's going to be, like, be able to call you out on if you're really doing it or not. And so, so you don't have to, you're not going to be, you know, like the, the cameras aren't on you. Don't worry about it. But today... We're going to take communion and the worship team's going to play. And after you take communion, we're just going to continue to worship. But here's what I'd just simply like you to do. Some of you, some of you are doing great right now. And you're just like, oh, I'm not in a crisis point. And, and that's great. I'm, it's okay that you're not in a crisis point. What I'm wondering about is when, when you see that, is your heart what I can do? What can I do to help? Do you have a jar out that's ready to do the next thing? What's your next step? What's your, what stretches you out of your comfort zone to a place where the provision and the blessing of God increases and exceeds even what you can be expecting? My prayer is that God begins to stir that in your heart. For some of us, us, I'll say, we've been carrying some mm, in our pressure point saying, God, don't my credentials deserve better than this? I don't have much to show you right now. And God's saying, you know what? Just whatever's in your house. What do you got? I'll meet you there. I'll increase your blessing, your provision from there. And that oil is going to start. And you know, I thought about talking about how we get oil, right? Something's got to get crushed for there to be oil. Some of us have just been crushed. And all that's left, this is visceral, but you know, there's a little 
gob of what could only just be called, that's the oil. It got squeezed. That's all I got. That's what she had. Got that everything you have in your house I can use to increase, to bring blessing, to bring provision, to do a miracle. If you're crushed and you got nothing but that, God will start with that. He can start with that. That's enough. Maybe today as you take communion, it's just simply acknowledging, God, I'm crushed. But I'm going to take a step of faith and trust you. All I got is this little bit of oil, but it's yours. Do with it what you will. Bring an increase beyond what I could even ever expect. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. And then we'll take communion. If you've not taken communion with us before, we just kind of form lines, come up, grab the communion. You can take it back to your chair and worship and just uh, there's juice and there's bread and you can drink that and eat that. Um, I'll pray over that. You don't have to be a member with us to do communion. Um, You just have to be uh, uh, desiring to take that step of connecting with Jesus and recognizing what was accomplished on your behalf. God, thank you. I'm humbled. I'm broken. I'm so aware of needing the increase of your provision and mercy and blessing to be demonstrated in my own life. God, I, I, I need that. And I pray for all of us that also need that, that, Lord, we would begin to see that. I pray that it would stretch us to accomplish the mission you've assigned to us, to begin to passionately represent you in our community, God, to become followers, disciples who live like you, who learn like you, who become more like you, and then become passionate about about expressing and displaying that to those around us who are in community with us, God, because that's when life change starts to happen. That's when families start to change. That's when dynamics between husbands and wives start to change change. That's when healing starts to break through. That's when restoration of relationship starts to happen, God. That's when we begin to be able to release bitterness and release hurt and release pain and release things that we're holding on to and begin to trust you with the most tender places in our most tender moments and say, God, you have to bring the increase because I got nothing left. And then you're faithful and you demonstrate your mercy. And the provision of your blessing exceeds our wildest expectations. Would you do the supernatural part as we step out in the natural and respond to your power and authority in our lives? God, thank you for this moment of communion where we recognize what you accomplished on the cross on our behalf. And we say, God, we'll examine our hearts in this moment. And as an outward sign of our willingness to invite you to to do what you want to do in our hearts and in our house, oh God, we respond to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you're prepared, you may come forward and take communion this morning.
you haven't taken yet, uh, just go ahead and hold that. If you've taken, don't worry about it. But God, thanks. And just uh, as an act of obedience and trust and a step of faith in this moment, I just recognize my need for you. God, increase the blessing. Uh, Lord, don't let me be the reason that it stops. Stretch me for one more jar. Uh, Stretch me out of my comfort zone. God, uh, if I knew... If I really knew that there was more blessing on the other side, nothing would stop me from making room for that in my life. And so, God, I pray my faith would match your word and that your promises would be on display in my life. And so I recognize that in all humility. In Jesus' name, you can take a knee. You know, we've been on this crazy journey for the last couple of weeks, and I'm so glad that you're here. Next week, we are going to unpack uh, an, uh, a big idea about the fact that everybody's invited. And so for some of you, you may know some people that, that haven't come for a long time because they haven't felt welcome in some environments. And I'm going to talk about how in the presence of Jesus, people who didn't feel welcome in some environments felt welcome. And so that's kind of where we're going. Uh, so be encouraged. And uh, I think Andrew's going to come up and uh, give us some uh, direction here. Is it Andrew? I should have looked at the service order. I got distracted. So yeah, thanks.